You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Welcome to episode 94 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Thank you so much for making this podcast part of your day. Hopefully you're all having an amazing week and you'll be hearing a little bit different type of show for this week's episode. This past weekend was the third annual Pensacon and in addition to doing all the video production, I had the opportunity to moderate a couple of panels and you'll be hearing the audio from one of those panels for this week's podcast, and it features someone who was a main character on a show that myself, along with so many other kids who grew up in the 90s, watched religiously. Anytime this show was on, I would watch it, even if it was a rerun and I had seen the episode three or four times. The show I'm talking about is The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and the guest is Austin St. John, who played the original Red Ranger. And he was an unbelievably nice guy, really down-to-earth, really cool, very easy to talk to. And to be perfectly honest, he made moderating really easy because once the panel got going, I didn't really have to do much, which I'm not complaining about at all. Uh, We had a lot of great questions from fans asking about his favorite experiences on the show, uh, getting into martial arts, his thoughts on the upcoming Power Rangers reboot, And he even talks about some of his upcoming film projects, uh, working with the military overseas, so many cool things. And like I said, he was a super nice guy, and I really hope that you guys enjoy hearing this panel. I had a blast moderating it, and I hope I get the opportunity to be a moderator again at next year's Pensacon. And before we get to that, I do want to say that Uh, There is a little bit of controversy going on uh, with Pensacon for next year, and there are several stories that are going around on the internet, but I just want to say that if something happens and Pensacon doesn't happen next year, that would be such a huge loss and such a huge shame because Pensacon brings so much more than a convention. It brings people together for just a common joy of things. And we don't really have anything else like that here. And it's the convention I look forward to the most every year. It's 10 minutes away from my apartment. Uh, I go with friends. Uh, We've gone to do stuff for the podcast, but even if we weren't, we would go as fans because we enjoy it. And the staff does such an amazing job with it. So if you're listening, you know, Mike, Steve, Kat, Jason, all the volunteers, you guys make a difference. You make so many people happy. And I'll just say that it would be a huge shame if Pensacon does not happen next year. Now, that being said, hopefully it will. And we're not going to dwell on the negative possibilities. We're going to focus on the positives because the something like this panel is a positive from Pensacon because so many people got to ask a question to someone who was on a show that they grew up loving and no one thought that they would be able to do that not this close to home so we're going to focus on the positives hopefully you guys enjoy the audio from this panel but before we get to that I have a quick question for you are you looking for new original music 
If so, you should check out Atomics, the brand new EP from my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, featuring the vocals of Joey Trincali. It has three tracks, including their single Tomorrow's Plan, which happens to be the theme song of this very podcast. This EP is unlike anything the Unicorn Wranglers have done before. So support local music and check out Atomics, which is available now on iTunes and Spotify for only $2.97. You can also follow the Unicorn Wranglers on social media, like them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter and Instagram at UWranglers. And finally, be sure to check out their website, theunicornwranglers.com. And without further ado, here is the Austin St. John panel from Pensacon 2016. Uh, he is one of the original Power Rangers. We have Mr. Austin St. John. So uh, you were you were here at Pensacon last year. Uh, how was it being back? I love Pensacola. I love the Irish. The Irish wakes too. Those, uh, the Irish wakes, yeah. Is that what they're, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, there might be some of that. Definitely, definitely. So uh, again, uh, feel free to come up to the microphone uh, whenever you're ready for questions. We'll take questions uh, here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, I did want to ask you a couple of things. Uh, sorry. Psych. <laughs> it's more. No, it's not. It's no, it's not. Tease. That's what we call it, tease. Uh, so, what, what was it that made you want to get into acting? A $20 bet. $20 bet. I was not an actor. Um, I had no intention of being an actor. Although I always thought it was kind of cool, you know? Like Terminator. I thought that was the height of acting. Now I understand it absolutely wasn't. But uh, it was still a really cool movie. Anyway, uh, a buddy of mine bet me $20. They advertised in the LA paper about this audition uh, where they were looking for a, a group of teenagers with attitude. And then one of them needed martial arts, another should have been a gymnast, another they wanted to, to be a dancer, and then another one they wanted to be the super intelligent nerd type. And they were all very stereotypical type roles, you know? They didn't put color, race, or sex on it, but, you know, one guy was a jock, one guy was smart, one girl, one girl was the valley girl. I don't have to tell you who that was. Uh, you know, so stuff like that. Um, and I went out for, I was like, no, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. Three weeks go by and a buddy of mine's like, I'll bet you $20 you won't be wasting your time if you go for this audition. Well, that was a lot of money in 93. I was like, that's gas money. You know, I grew up a Marine brat. I was like, yeah, I can fill my tank up twice on that. <laughs> Today you wouldn't get a quarter a tank on that, right? Maybe half. So uh, finally I gave in. I was like, all right, $20. Before I walked out the door, because I remember looking at my watch, they were already leaving me a message for the callback on my machine at home. And uh, five auditions later, I lost $20. So what, because um, you, you were really young when you were cast last year. You were 17, 18 years old. Are you saying I'm not young now? Well, I wasn't saying that. You see how he did that? That was slick. He was, yeah, I gotta watch this guy. Uh, yeah, I was 17 when I, when I auditioned. I signed a contract a week before my 18th birthday, and uh, after that, it was all she wrote. You was know? that intimidating at all? No, my dad was a Marine, my mom was a cop. That was intimidating. <laughs> Signing a contract at 17, I was like, all right, well, where's my dad? Where's my mom? Okay, I'm good. 
Alright, so I believe we had a question? Now it's morphin' time. Now it's morphin' time. How do you feel about Elizabeth Banks being chosen to be Rita in the upcoming movie? To every other man that appreciates a fine figure of a lady, how do you feel about Elizabeth Banks being a lady? Because I'm okay with it. This guy right here, yeah. Uh, you guys, uh, uh, Decree, I think that's how he, he pronounces it. He told me on Twitter, I can't remember. But uh, he hit me up and said, you know, hey man, I might have some questions, love to, love to chat with you about, because he's going to be playing Jason. Love to chat with you about, uh, about your role. And I was like, hit me up, man, here's my phone number, which is something I don't normally do. And uh, he hasn't called me back yet, so... No, I'm kidding, but uh, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see who they choose for all of these roles. And I'm, I've heard so many rumors, like all of you, you'd think I have like the Power Ranger hotline. Um, it's just when things are blowing up, not when they cast new people. So uh, I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to go. Hi. Hi. Uh, last year I remember you were doing a lot of talking about a film project you were working on, and I was wondering where you were at with that. Well, now I've got about six projects. Um, I've also, uh, I don't remember last year if I'd already built a charity organization uh, with some friends of mine. I have a couple of things going on. Good question, good memory. One is called the Heartland Image Foundation, and it is a uh, 501c3 charitable organization. We do everything from uh, feed the homeless uh, to bring in school-age children and teach them how to film their own short uh, movies and local commercials and stuff, uh, things that tie into their local community. So they write an essay, they bring it to us, we look over the essays, and then we put together, we basically make one of them a director, a producer, somebody does wardrobe, somebody handles the camera, or is a DP, director of photography. We put them all into various roles in their own film and teach them how to start it, shoot it, and finish it. Uh, we just completed our first one last summer, we've got that up. And we also, uh, in, under that production company, produce uh, Christian-themed type uh, movies. One of which, well, it's not the one I talked about last time, but one of which we just did. I shot a short film in Ohio. It's called Gideon's Frontier. Um, and it's basically about a guy named Gideon who struggles with his faith during the War of 1812. I play a character who is a general uh, and a legend in history uh, here in America in the area of Ohio. His name is Simon Kenton. And I basically lead a group of special operations type warriors uh, in the War of 1812 against the British and the Indians who are trying to take our country from us. So that was one project. We just did a short we're hoping to finance later this year. Survival's End was a project I talked about last year. The director and I have been so busy. This is a post-apocalyptic film that we're hoping to finish financing this year and have time to shoot. I've got a romantic comedy coming up. I've got uh, a short film for cancer where uh, I will play someone that has cancer and has to deal with how to tell his wife and the fact that it's back and he's not going to survive this time. Um, and it's about those trials and tribulations. I'm also talking with the American Society, uh, Autism Society. We're looking to develop a project uh, where we can get uh, really an education out there on autism and Asperger's and the fact that autism is a spectrum. It's a large spectrum. And there are people who do exceptionally well. There are people who have more struggles. And not everybody that has autism is a child. Adults have autism. And uh, various struggles that they go through as well as the family members and their 
some of their caretakers. So it is a family ordeal, not just an individual. So I've got a lot of projects coming up. I can't remember them all the time when I'm asked, but I'm, I'm working hard. I hope to have them out um, probably in the next year to two years, depending on which ones we're talking about. First of all, it is wonderful to see you back here in Pensacola, Austin. Second of all, I read somewhere that you know multiple languages besides English, such as Japanese and such as Japanese and Chinese, for instance. That may have been just a rumor, for instance. I don't know if that's true or not. I got pretty good at Korean when I was in martial arts, uh, when, I, when I was in Taekwondo specifically, and Hwarengdo, I got pretty good at Korean. I did have some martial arts related Japanese, but I was never fluent. Um, I got pretty good at them, but I was never fluent. I do pretty well with Spanish, a little bit of Russian, and a little bit of German right now. The second question I want to know is, what are your fondest memories of Richard Janelle, who played the role of Ernie? We were all typecast. Rich was, too. He was just, he was a big lummox. He was uh, happy, dopey, happy to see everybody. There truly was a five second delay when you would ask him a question to the time the answer came out of his mouth. Um, but in a, in a loving sort of, he was really concentrating and, and he was thinking it through, you know. Rich, do you need to go to the restroom? <laughs> Also, also, one last question. There's a petition on change.org asking for the original cast all the way up until, all the way up to Tur the Turbo to do an MMP, up to do a reunion. If, uh, have, have you, if, can, would you be willing, would you be willing to re, would you be willing to rejoin the cast? Would you be willing to rejoin it if, if up to the task? I think if they wrote the, uh, wrote the role right. You know, I did Forever Red. They asked me to come back and do Super Mega Force, but I was in the Middle East at the time, uh, under contract to the government, so I couldn't leave what I was doing overseas to come home and, hey guys, stop shooting at each other, I gotta go film something for a week, I'll be right back. Right. Uh, do you think it's possible now that Jude Lynn's return, that Jude Lynn is doing Dino Charge now, do you think it will be possible for you to return in future seasons? He hinted at, he hinted at it, with the possibility of returning Rangers in future seasons in an interview. You know, anything is possible. Thank you. Thank you once You're again. Welcome. Good questions. It was like Jeopardy. Where's the music? <laughs> I wasn't sure about something. You made me think. Thank you, bud. Actually, uh, some good news for you, man. The Japanese version of Dino Charge, Mighty Morphin Red appears in a special episode. <laughs> anyway, um, more serious question. You're talking about I am wearing underwear. <laughs> Oh, it's not. Oh, okay, all right. I'm not. <laughs> what? <laughs> I knew there was somebody in my closet this morning. Yes. I wasn't the only one. But, uh. <laughs> okay, I, I can make this a thousand times worse. But, on to something real. Um, you're talking about all this charity work that you're doing. Um, for any of us around here that want to follow the progress or even offer as much support as we can, is there any way we could track that, you know, keep updated? Sure. 
Uh, number one, check out my social media, any, any of that stuff. Uh, I make most of the announcements I do, I do on Facebook because I can post much more full videos, live links, stuff like that. Instagram, that's really great if I just want to post a picture of something and put up a you know, short blurb with no links or any information. I have Twitter also, again, really short blurbs you can put up. So that works. Uh, you also, for my 501c3, it's called the Heartland Image Foundation. Um, we just created it last year. You can go to heartlandimage.org or you can go to Facebook, Heartland Image. Uh, I think it's foundation. Um, they're brand new, they're upstarts, so uh, feel free to like their page and share it with anybody that, uh, that's interested. And you can check it out. We're doing lots of good things. Uh, something I'm working on right now, actually, you'll see a couple ladies and uh, one of my guys somewhere around the room, uh, Quentin, Amanda, and Kat, waving their hands back there. Um, a good buddy of mine who is by the name, he, he goes by the name of Gig Michaels. He passed away this January. He was a lead singer to a band and he was one of the uh, most sincere and touching individuals that I think I've met. And I didn't know him that long, but we got really close really fast. And we were going to do work with the Autism uh, Society together, where he was going to bring up a couple of savants to play on stage with his band, so that we could highlight some of the incredible talent that exists within the autism spectrum. Um, even if some of the social aspects sometimes aren't there. Um, some of these folks, maybe you've seen people that see a piano being played, or played and sit down and recreate it at an amazing level. Um, so he was looking to do some of that. He passed away, and uh, he was a up-and-coming band. So they hadn't made a lot of money yet. They were on the verge, but they hadn't. Uh, his tour manager is back there, Amanda. You can see her when she walks around. We are in the process of trying to prevent two of their investors from suing Gig's family and Amanda uh, for funds that don't exist. And uh, essentially, the morning after he died in the hospital, these people are, had, had lawsuit papers delivered to the doors of his family and the tour manager um, because all they were concerned about was money. And, uh, you know, I understand that there are disagreements, but out of all the investors in this group who backed up Gig and believed in his work and his project and his message, um, none of them, and there are a lot of them, some of them just paid his electric bill. None of them are stepping forward for suit, just these two. And they weren't the biggest investors, necessarily. So anyway, the point is, we're trying to keep Gig's music. He poured his heart and soul into his music. Um, and he is, uh, well, his heart and soul and his music belong with his family. These people are trying to take his music from his family so they can sell it and make money off of it. Um, we're trying to prevent that. So uh, if you see these guys around, raise your hands. We're doing a raffle, and uh, nobody wants, you know, wants to give up money for nothing. One of the things I've told the ladies is I will sign an autographed uh, trading card. They have uh, quite a few of them right now. $20 will donate those funds to the raffle. There's a GoFundMe page, which you can also find online so that you can reference these materials and the monies that are going. We're trying to raise $12,000. $5,000 helps each family hire a lawyer so they can defend themselves. That's how much money wasn't there when he died. Um, or you can just buy a raffle ticket for $10 if you would like. If you want to give $1, uh, well, I would appreciate that. But I'm not going to push on that. Please feel free to speak with them. They'll give you the information. I will announce winners on my, on my Facebook page. 
uh, tonight, tomorrow night, and the night after. So please feel free to speak with them. Speaking of charity work. Thank you. Show what the raffle prize is. Oh, so uh, is, it this, is this the one I'm giving away tonight? That and the San Diego Comic-Con studio cover. Okay, so this I will sign, and this is being given away. Is it this evening, Kat? Yes. This evening, signed in your hands. So uh, $20 for a raffle ticket for this. Is that right? 20 for a raffle ticket and a signed card. So you're already winning. Raffle ticket, signed card, $20. Um, and you might win this on the raffle ticket. Uh, we have some custom prints that are also going out. And these don't exist. These have never been put out. So first time, one time only, golden red hybrid. And then this is a custom piece. What is it, Kat? From San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. Boom so, so here you, you go. Can't from, buy that anymore. You can't buy this either. So something to think about. I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to push you guys. I just wanted to let you know, especially since you asked. Thank you very much. Go ahead. Uh, first, I just want to say that uh, when you didn't do that Super Mega Force episode, Jason snatched it up. You should have seen the commercial. Space was plastered everywhere, just like he's always wanted. Um, second, <laughs> second of all, um, I want to ask you about your experience. What was it like to be recast for the Gold Ranger after having to leave uh, the Red Ranger role? Well, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I got a call from Haim Saban Shuki. Have any of you ever heard Haim speak? Or Shuki? They're the show owners. They have, uh, and, and I'm going to slaughter this, I'm not very good, but they have very typical, you know, Israeli, very slow, you know, accent. That's more Russian. But uh, anyway, um, so I got a call, Austin. Oh, it's been a long time. You, you, what, what? We should speak. What do you think? Come talk to me. We have episodes. I know you have episodes. I've been in them. A lot of them. No, no, no. We have something. No, no outfit. Gold Ranger team music. Fancy things. You should come check it out. So one of the things, um, I was like, all right, well, let's check it out. So I came out to a movie where little Blake Foster, he was this big. So every time I see him now this big, I'm like, what happened? What did they feed you? Anyway, uh, so he's sitting there doing this thing about some dog movie. It was a movie that had to do with a dog. I don't remember anymore. And she and I got to talk, and he's like, we want to bring you back second movie, and maybe 20 episodes, Gold Ranger, what do you think? I'm like, I want to be a bad guy in the movie. Tell me more about this gold ranger man. <laughs> and so we talked, and I was like, okay, and you realize that I'm not going to pay you to be a part of a TV series like before. He was like, well, let's work it out. How much you want? I was like, enough to pay my rent? Maybe a car payment? Is that, is that asking a lot? I mean, it's kind of what you get at Burger King if you work the window, right? So anyway, um, we worked it out, and I came back, and that's how that happened. I just want to say thank you for coming back again. I really enjoyed your last time and I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, I just wanted to ask, what was one of your favorite memorable moments on set during your first uh, time as Red Ranger? Actually on set or throughout the history of the show? On the history, throughout the history of the show. Man, there are a couple of amazing moments. I think uh, that's a good question. Every time I get asked, I think of something new because there were so many. Uh, so I'm not trying to be sneaky, I just, there are a lot of moments. It's pretty cool. 
Um, I think one of which was probably the first time they had brought fans to set. And I remember this mom coming in, I didn't even see the little one, because he was glued to a butt cheek, I think, on the back. Just, you know. And he finally she gets up there and he's like, he's being shy, and she's, you know, I have kids now, so I understand. She keeps reaching around, I thought maybe she had an itch. But, you know, it was, it was her son. And uh, little guy, just dark brown hair, big doe eyes. And um, it was, it was uh, I think there were, well, yeah, it was the original five. Audrey was gone, so Twee was in. So uh, we had our sixth ranger, Twee was there. Um, so it was the five that you saw on the cast uh, until the unaired pilot. And uh, he kind of poked his head out and he just looked at me. And it was just these big eyes, like Superman was in the room. But he wasn't. It was the Red Ranger. And that's when it hit me for the first time how deeply we were impacting, you know, the next generation. And I remember it blew me away. In fact, I can visualize it to this day. And there are a lot of things I don't remember anymore, but that's what I do. So that was, that was a really cool moment for me. Thank you. Um, I've uh, read that there was a lot of controversy on set with the original uh, show. Uh, what was it like? day-to-day uh, -day on set. What controversy? Well, I mean, like... Uh... We, were, we were a huge family. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cause I, I mean, I've... we all hated the owner. Well, <laughs> one of us didn't. Well, well, I mean, I've seen articles on uh, where, like, they bullied Billy and to the point of he just walked out. You know that happened after my time? Really? Um, I've had some conversations with him about that. I, I don't feel like it's my place to discuss that. Um... He has shared similar thoughts with me. To what detail the articles are written, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm not big on controversy or talk. Um, but I'll tell you that, you know, any job, you work at McDonald's, Starbucks, you lawyer, an attorney, a doctor, uh, or, you know, a, a guy that cleans septic tanks for a living, you know, you all work and you all have personalities and there's going to be clash. It doesn't matter what job it is. So, um, you know, there were, there were different personalities. There were moments, especially all the time we spent together. Oh my gosh, did we spend some time together. Uh, we filmed 18 hour days the first season. It was, we knew when each other went to the bathroom. So, you know, we had moments where we were tired and personalities clashed, but uh, all in all, we were, we were the upstarts. You know, the, the first five, we made this incredible TV show, blew it up, we got picked up by a network, which we didn't think would happen. We never dreamt that would happen. And then we hit number one in the ratings, and then more Rangers started coming in, and it just turned into this tidal wave. So it was an experience from day one. It was high pressure. You had a bunch of very young personalities, me specifically. Everybody else was older than me, I'm happy to say. Um, so it was, it was pretty, it was neat, it was high pressure, it was a lot of work, it was exciting, and it was stressful. It was everything you would think it would be, and then some. Thank you. Hi. Um, Hi. <laughs> okay, first of all, super fan. Like, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> now I'm like, I'm nervous. Um, what's like the, I don't know, um, like a, your favorite blooper moment that happened? <laughs> a few of those, too. <laughs> um, we had, how many of you seen the episode? and I don't remember the name of the episode, they kind of run together for me. But Zach was in a hallway, we were all facing him, and a spider lands on his shoulder. Okay. 
That was a blooper. That spider came home with us. We named him Homie. <laughs> he lived in an aquarium in our wall for years because Walter, who played Zach, he and I shared a place with some of the stunt guys for years. Um, <laughs> because that's the only way we could pay the bills. We had to share them. But um, Homie, when they brought him in, they had this spider handler, and Zach was like, wait, 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 you gonna put what on my shoulder in this episode? You don't have a rubber spider? You don't have something like that? And they were like, no, no, we got a real spider. It's trash, and we want to see it move. He's like, I don't. <laughs> and I'm, I'm chuckling at this point, and I'm like, mm, man, I heard that they kill people in the Amazon. You know, what are you doing? <laughs> Eat their whole face off. You know, I'm just playing it up, having a good time with this, because it's not on my shoulder. And uh, he's, you know, he had a few choice words for that, told me where I could stick it. And uh, so we chatted, and finally the, the handler comes up, and he's trying to make it better. He comes up, and he's this, you know, small, small frame guy, and he's like, hey man, don't worry about it. No, tarantulas are great. And he's got it in his hand, and it was as big as his hand, and hairier than my face. I was like, wow, that's a spider? Are you sure? So... He's like, yeah, no worries, no big deal. See, I already fed him nine cockroaches this morning. That didn't help. <laughs> Walter, I can just see him. He's like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And he's not taking his eyes off this thing. So me being me, I'm like, ooh. And I jump, and he kind of jumps back. And so no big deal. And uh, he's like, he's not hungry. And don't worry, you can always tell when a spider's going to attack. Because it raises its front two, he had a name for it, I'm going to call them legs. I was like, okay, all right, front two legs come up. That's bad. Mental note. So, no big deal. We get in the scene, we're in the hallway, and basically what happens, the way it works in film, is we're doing our thing and they call freeze. All the actors, everybody in front of the camera, we all freeze in position. And then homeboy with the spider, the spider handler, he probably has a crazy name, like Magic Mike, I don't know. So, he comes running in, drops the spider on his shoulder, and then runs out, and then they call a second action. Action! And then we all react like the spider just magically appeared. Well... Walt, or Zach, was supposed to be like, oh, oh my god, it's a spider. Well, he did. And he turned, he looked, and we're all like, doing this number, and he's like, what, 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 oh my, and he goes, ah, well, when he screamed, the spider got pissed. <laughs> so the spider turns and looks at him, like, face, about face, and I was like, oh, he didn't like that. And then the front two legs came up, I was like, oh, they said that's bad. <laughs> they said that's bad right there. That's bad. That's bad. So much bad. And at this point, Walter goes from terror to, like, sheer... He'd been happier to jump into a volcano face first. And he's just, like, he was frozen. I was like, and I'm trying to build up the courage to walk over there and swat the thing off. And then Magic Mike was like, in and out. Scooped it up, gone. I was like, wow, that was cool. And Walter's sitting there, he's just like, I'm done. Oh, no. And, you know, drop the mic, walk out. So it was kind of a moment where we all laughed and we were like, better you than me. But he didn't get bit and we took him home and we fed him lots of cockroaches and water and we had many parties where everybody talked about a homie. Thank you. Hi. Um, when you first were going to do the show, did you ever watch any of the original um, Super Sentai they... to prepare? <laughs> There's no preparing for that. <laughs> Still isn't. Um, they, somewhere in the audition process, I think once they'd figured out, they, I mean thousands and thousands and thousands of people showed up for each of our roles. We, it was not easy to, to get our roles. Um, towards the end, once they'd narrowed it down to three groups, they had a tall group, a medium group, and a short group. Because uh, they were trying to figure out publicity or packaging or whatever was aesthetically pleasing, I don't know, whatever they do. 
And um, so they brought in and sat us down for a little bit of footage to try and show us what we were doing. But it was all the Japanese footage with, you know, fights, with suits. And I remember the first time I saw it, I just looked at it and went, oh my gosh. Did you see that, man? He's like, yeah, man, did you see that? What'd you think? I'm like, I don't know, what'd you think? He's like, spandex? <laughs> really, spandex? And Amy Joe's like, spandex isn't that bad. And we're like, you're a girl. <laughs> I never wore spandex a day in my life. What are you doing? You know, so we had a few conversations. And I was like, what's with the big white diamond? Is that like, are you gonna have clubs? Whose hearts? You know, so we, we, had, we had a few conversations and jokes, but we all appreciate, or at least I did, I appreciated the martial arts and the talent and the hard work that went into it. Um, but that really, I mean, they showed us, it was like a 15 second clip, that was it. And then they brought in the guy who was a stunt choreographer for Wesley Snipes at the time for the movie Rising Sun. And that's when I, I immediately was like, wow, he's a master of Waterloo. At the time, the highest rank I had was a second-degree black belt. I was like, I'm going to get my butt kicked. And uh, so then the audition process continued, and it went on and on, and clearly I didn't get my butt kicked. I don't know how, but um, that was really the only exposure I had to it until we started ADR, and that was a whole other animal, but it was, it was pretty cool. I still don't enjoy spandex, though, <laughs> just for the record. First of all, I just wanted to say that uh, when I started watching the show, you and Jason were my inspiration to start martial arts myself, um, and I, I followed it for many years. Um, my question is, do you still uh, uh, do any sort of martial arts, and how do you keep up? Well, I spent, well, the last two years I've been home now from the Middle East, but I spent four years overseas, so there wasn't really uh, a martial arts studio for me over there. But I did do Krav Maga and combatives, things like that, with soldiers, uh, Marines, things like that. Uh, but it wasn't formal like you would think of it here. Um, prior to that, I did some training when I found guys that were around. I wasn't in studios. I was, I was working my way through college. Um, hard. I was waiting tables, bartending. I was working as a paramedic, um, paying the bills. I didn't have a whole lot of time to study. I was living my life that way. I did it one time out of studios. I wrote a book. I put it out. Um, I've just chosen a new master this year, uh, Master Lear, and I'm going to be starting now probably, I can't even keep track, probably 19th, 20th martial art. Um, and no, I don't have black belts in all of them. Um, it's going to be Kempo, K-E-M-P-O, and it's going to be blended with all five animal styles. Um, and I may, may touch on some Qigong, uh, I'm not sure about that yet. But uh, I'm going to take, if you go to my Facebook page uh, or any of my social media, I put flyers up. In fact, you can see them at my table. Uh, Kat may have some here, but I'm taking 30 to 50 people to China later this year. And we're going to go study at a 2,000-year-old temple. So we'll fly into Beijing. We'll spend eight days in country. Um, several days going in, you'll get to see Great Wall, Forbidden City, a couple of really cool sites. Um, and then we will spend four days at a temple that is uh, 2,000 years old. And uh, there will be legitimately hand-picked uh, masters there uh, who train in arts that I haven't, where I will go and, and begin again. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think there are quite a few people that have, that have come through. We should have articles coming out in Black, uh, Black Belt Magazine, I hope soon, and uh, Kung Fu Magazine, places like that. So quite a lot coming up. Any other questions? You have really good kids. <laughs> I'm impressed.
Um, something that I did want to ask you, what was it that made you want to get into martial arts? Well, my father. He, uh, he pretty much just told me. The morning of my fifth birthday, he woke me up. and He'd been telling me. I'd seen him train around the house. He was big into Kenpo, K-E-N-P-O, uh, and kickboxing. And uh, he'd done a lot of Nawaza. He'd done some grappling, uh, stand-up grappling, uh, stand-up jujitsu. Everybody thinks jujitsu is grand grappling now because most of it is today, but there are many forms of jujitsu. Anyway, uh, and he had told me that we were going to train. And the morning of my fifth birthday, he woke me up. And for a long time, we trained together after that. Uh, I just went on and on for years. I fell in love with it. I ended up in judo. I went through taekwondo, chungdokwan taekwondo. Uh, went through kenpo, nuaza, kickboxing, kwarendo. Uh, it just went on and on for my whole life for a long time, probably until regularly, until about maybe nine, ten years ago. And uh, now I'm working my way back into it again. What's been the most difficult form of martial arts that you've learned? Well, I mean, when you say the word difficult, you have to establish what that really is. And for each of you, it's different. Um, some people have uh, difficulty with reading, some with math, some with science, some with physics, some with uh, art. You know, so probably, I, I wouldn't say that any one art has been complicated uh, or, or incredibly complicated. I think really there have been arts that I've had less time to dedicate to uh, than others, which of course, like anything, makes it more complicated to, to master. What kind of advice would you give to anyone who would want to get into martial arts? When I first started martial arts, when my father did, uh, you chose a, you know, there, there's, there's all this talk about lineage and pedigree. Um, okay, well, how many of you are in direct lineage to the president or the queen or, you know, look, we're not all the same. We're not all equal. And, you know, people argue that all the time. Well, we all are equal. No, we're not. I can't get out in the NBA right now and uh, out dunk Michael Jordan. Can I? I mean, anybody here think I could do that? I didn't think so, right? It would be entertaining. I mean, if I kicked him in the legs, maybe. Um, I can't go out on a football field right now and out throw Peyton Manning. And he's retiring. I'm not throwing 60 yards for a touchdown under pressure with a 300-pound mammoth linebacker coming at me. I don't do that. I haven't trained for that. So I'm not equal to that, am I? No. So when it comes to picking an art, I would say look at as many as you can. Understand that you are different. You're not the same as everybody else. And that's not something to be ashamed of. Rather, that's something to be proud of. Take what you're good at and make it perfect. Don't let other people tell you what you should be or how you should be good at it or which art is the best or that if you don't come from uh, Ip Man, i.e. Bruce Lee and on through his lineage that you haven't really studied a martial art and that you don't really know it. People will tell you that all over the martial arts. These are people who have forgotten lesson number one in martial arts. It's called humility. Humility. All right? People talk about respect, they talk about honor, but they lack humility. So look at different arts. 
People with long arms may want to box, may not want to touch a martial art. People with long legs may be interested in Taekwondo or maybe some forms of Kung Fu. People who have medium builds with a wide base may be interested in Kung Fu or Kenpo. Um, other people with a wide base and fast short arms may be interested in Kenpo, Jiu Jitsu, uh, something that's more hand oriented. Or someone that's well balanced may walk across many of them. Here's the thing with martial arts. There's a lot to be said for discipline, there's a lot to be said for respect, and there's a lot to be said for someone that spends their whole life in one martial art. I take my hat off to that. That takes discipline, it takes focus, it takes dedication, and that's something to be proud of. But martial arts today, everybody, almost, is hybrid. And even the guys who claim, I am one martial art, this is my art, I've created it. Well, McDonald's makes 40 different types of food nowadays. Okay? And these guys who have one martial art, most of them in the U.S., even though they claim to have one, to be from one, study many and incorporate those teachings into their studio. Because you have to today if you're going to be competitive in today's martial arts world. So, I love the arts, I respect them, I love its history, where they come from, but I would say it has some similarities to being a mechanic or a surgeon. You have different tools for different jobs that you need to do. If I want to, if, if I'm getting in the ring with someone I know specializes in boxing, maybe I want to sweep him. Maybe I want to take him down and grapple. That means I need to have some grappling knowledge. Or if I'm with a kicker, maybe I want to close the gap, get inside with my hands. Maybe I want to take him to the ground and lock him up. So I pull different tools from my shed based on who I'm going to fight and what I know about them or what I see in the ring. So I would say look at them all, find somebody that understands humility, find a master who understands that first and foremost he will always be a student. That's huge and it is hard to find today. A million masters that will get up there and tell you how great they are, why their art is the best. Be careful of those. And I mean that sincerely because if they're the best, think about the arrogance that that statement requires. Billions of people on this planet. Many of them have created a martial art. But you're going to find one or two guys that tell you theirs is the best. Billions of people. What sort of arrogance does that take? You see what I'm driving at? So pay attention, study, read, look, make a very informed decision. And if you want to spend one, you know, your life in one art, go for it. That's great, man. More power to you. A lot of hard work, dedication, and respect there. But don't be afraid to branch out. I would encourage that. Very good advice. Um, going back to Power Rangers, did you ever think that back then it would be the success that it is now? How many of you thought you'd be sitting here talking to me 20 years ago? It wasn't going through my mind either, I promise. I mean, we knew we had this, this global phenomenon. I mean, it was just this, this tidal wave of a show, but if you had told me then that I'd be talking to you now, you know, if you'd looked out from behind mom's itch and been like, you know, hey, uh, I'll see you in 22 years and we're gonna talk about did you know what was gonna happen then? I don't think I could have even figured it out at 17, 18. I would have, I just, I would have never dreamt it. Would have never dreamt it. So um, I have no idea. But I tell you what, I love meeting you guys now, hearing your stories now. I mean, I really do, it touches me. It's pretty cool. And guys, you're allowed to, to be touched and still be a man.
right? It's okay. I'm not saying start crying, but you can be touched. Oh, we do have a few minutes left. Uh, is there anyone else who would uh, like to ask a question? I've met quite a few of the new guys on the road over the last two years. Some of them are really cool. I, I wonder if I was that energetic at 18. Probably was. No wonder my parents kicked me out. Um, no, I haven't seen, I mean, I've seen a few clips here and there where guys are like, hey man, this is super mega whopper Zio-ish something. I'm like, wow, and then they'll throw a smackdown in there. I'm like, wait, is this WWF? What, what are we talking about? Uh, so it's changed a lot, uh, and I've heard both good and bad about that, but uh, you know, you hear that about anything that changes. I love the guys that I've met that have done it, but uh, I couldn't tell you much about what they did on screen. Just that they're a part of the family now, you know? You've been a ranger. I don't need to love, appreciate, or agree what you did with the show. You're part of the family. So, part of a brotherhood and a sisterhood. Any other questions? I could say to that. No, I didn't. Uh, I was, I always thought I was pretty much just a guy, uh, so I, I tried to do it the old-fashioned way. I don't mean it, I meant interact. Um, however, I will throw my buddy under the bus, two of them. To this day, Walter Jones and I will be traveling the world. You know him as Zach, and he is absolutely a ladies' man. Uh, he is no shame. Yeah, yeah, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, I was, no, that's me, I was Zach, I was a black ranger, yeah. How you doing? Mastodon. <laughs> and sometimes if I catch him at the right time, I'll be like, Tyrannosaurus ate him some Mastodon. <laughs> so, you know, we've had a good time with that. Uh, another guy that does it, Steve Cardenas. Like, yeah, I was the Red Ranger. Yeah, MMPR. Mm -hmm. That was me. I'm like, alright. And it works. I'm like, you know, maybe I should have tried something different. But no, no, I never did. I was like, this is me, this is it, what's up? How you doing? They're like, bye. <laughs> Tyrannosaurus? <laughs> so, uh, you know, you never know. But it was good times. I probably should. But, uh, I don't know. I think I, I maybe had a few dates. Once or twice. Uh, any last questions? I haven't seen it. No. It's a good question. There's there's so many fan films out there. I'm at a loss. I can't keep track of them. I saw the Joseph Kahn one, but uh, that's the only one I've seen. Guys, uh, if you see my guys getting up back here. Uh, I know I mentioned the charity earlier, please, no pressure. If you feel inclined, uh, every dollar helps. Uh, please chat with these folks, and if, if you're not interested, great. If you do me a favor, at least uh, take down the information for the webpage and uh, share it with your friends on your social media so that uh, I can try and help a brother of mine keep his music with his family. And uh, in the meantime, I will sign these and hand them out to whoever I'm supposed to. Is that what we're doing, Kat? We'll do that at the end of the day because there's people that are still in the convention, close the day, 8 o'clock. 
So I will I announce. Don't contact them. Okay, so she's going to contact you, give your information to her uh, if and when you make your purchases, and we'll go from there. All right? In the meantime, am I supposed to go back to my table now? Anybody know? Where am I going? Yeah, you, yeah. It's up to you. You can go get them. I like him. I like him. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to head back to my table for a little bit. Um, and much love, man. You guys hit me up. Hit me up on social media. Say what's up. Say screw off. Whatever's on your mind. I'm pretty easy with it. And uh, I'll see you guys around, all right, later this weekend. My thanks again to Austin St. John and the Pensacon staff for giving me the opportunity to moderate that panel. It was a lot of fun. And as I said in the open, hopefully I get a chance to moderate more panels at Pensacon next year. And speaking of panels, we're going to be listening to another panel next week featuring a former guest of the Derek Diamond Experience, Mr. Jim Cummings, the voice of Darkwing Duck, Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Dr. Robotnik, and this panel was an absolute riot. It was unbelievably funny, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it next week. But until then, you can check out past episodes of this show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can also follow me on social media, like me on Facebook. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can follow the show on Twitter at DDE underscore podcast. Or you can follow me personally at Derek underscore diamond. And that's all I've got. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.